morning, family. How are we all? Good. <laughs> um, we've come to our second Bible reading this morning, and it's going to be taken from First uh, Peter chapter three, and we'll be reading verses one through seven. It's titled "Wives and Husbands." Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, the word. They may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. When won over without words by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not be, should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth. In God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear, give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Praise be to God for his word to us. Well, friends, what a text, eh? I'm sure you ladies will be still friends with me after the service. Oh, we're going to pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your uh, precious word. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity we have to read your word and have it uh, proclaimed. Uh, Thank you for your precious people, dear Lord. We thank you for your grace and love for us. We pray that you help us to grow as a family of Christ, to love and serve you and one another. I just pray for myself as I share this word. I pray for your strength, for the power of your Holy Spirit to help me be faithful to the passage and to share this precious word with your precious people. It is an honor and a privilege. Please forgive me for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, there we go. Weddings. We all love to go for weddings, right? We know what a wedding was like for us in our own family last year. I've officiated many weddings, but that wedding, when I officiate for Tanya's wedding, was uh, very special um, to do that. Weddings are very special occasions. Think about the couples who got married uh, the past few months here. We have Hayden and Mary. I was just thinking about them yesterday. Uh, Tanya and uh, Shane, uh, Josephine and uh, Sherry. Uh, young couples from uh, this congregation, married uh, in the last six months. Uh, another wedding coming up in May. A very special occasion for families and friends to meet up and celebrate. Someone said to me this, it's easy to have a, it's not kind of easy to have a wedding, but it's easy to plan for a wedding, but the marriage is the biggest challenge. Wedding day, it's all nice and everything's going well. When it comes to marriage, well, really, that's where the challenge is, isn't it? And there are those in this congregation who have been married for 30, 40, 50 years perhaps. And you know the challenges of marriage, just as those who are married for six months or three months. 
as you live with uh, your husband and wife, you begin to see the other side of the person, you begin to uh, try and adjust your life according to the other person, and that is huge. That's a challenge. I was reading an article this past week about uh, men still trapped in a vacuum over housework. Look at that. A wife is doing the vacuum cleaning and a guy is just, I love that. That's great, isn't it? Right? Uh, think about that. It's this article written by in, um, uh, in the, the Daily Telegraph, actually, February 16th. The average vacuum cleaner is powerful enough to suck the life right out of a relationship. Do you know that? <laughs> experts, experts say clashes over who does what work around the home are one of the biggest concerns for many couples. But most don't know how to fix the problem. So a survey of more than 1,000 Australian women found more than 60%, oh, let me get this, more than 60% still did most of the housework. And almost a third felt they were forced to do their duties. And according to the survey commissioned by cleaning products company Enjo, one in five women fight with their partners in an attempt to get them to do more. Does that happen in your household? Don't answer it. Okay, it's okay. Just keep it quiet. Who does the housework at your place? Tell us below anyway. That's how the, the, the Relationship Australia Council and Lynn Fletcher said the question of who did the vacuuming sounded trivial, but it pointed to much larger issues like the balance of power and responsibility in a relationship. Think about that. That's classic, isn't it? Guys... Just look at that photo. That's great. Well, the immediate context, friends. The immediate context is this. Uh, maybe we'll put that off for the moment. The immediate uh, context is the subject of submission, right? It's a context of submission. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 to 17, Peter admonishes us all to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as uh, supreme or to governors as set to exercise authority. In other words, we are to obey the law of the land and all those in authority over us. In our morning services, we are working our way through 1 Peter, the evening services through the Gospel of Matthew. But as we work our way through 1 Peter, chapter, um, chapter 3 this morning, uh, we notice this in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the whole issue of submission. Uh, we are to keep the speed limits. We are to pay our taxes. Uh, we need to respect magistrates and judges and policemen and all those in authority over us. Why? We do it for the Lord's sake. And our behavior should not give Christ a bad name. Instead, we are to be model citizens in this world. And then Peter addresses household servants on how to obey your masters, both those who are just and unjust. And now in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, he instructs the wives to be submissive to their husbands, including the husbands who are unbelieving in the section that is before us. Now, friends, I must say this. It is not a text that I would choose to preach on, generally speaking, all right? But it is in the Word of God, and it must be addressed. It is there. That's the good thing about expository preaching, because you can't get away from the issues. It is there. It is given for us. It is good for us. It is good for marriage. Uh, God wants us to have good marriages. 
And I'm much, very much aware how sensitive this matter of submission in marriage can be, especially in a world where women have been subjected to much abuse by their husbands. Uh, also in a world where the feminist movement is so strong that a text like this might be looked upon as something that is absolutely archaic. Belongs to the 15th, 14th century, not now. 2013, we are a free people, we are a modern society. This is not applicable. I'm mindful of that. I must say this, a husband should never abuse his wife in any shape or form. I'll say more about that later on. Okay, never. Now, some comments before we proceed to look at this text very quickly. You see, marriage is between a man and a woman, who in marriage become husband and wife. Beautiful transition. They stand before God, they stand before his people, they are a man and woman. Uh, After that, after marriage, they become husband and wife. Transition has taken place. A family unit has been established. God made both male and female, man and woman. But he, made, he made us in his image, and in marriage, the two become one, a unique relationship. And there can never be a third party in any marriage except for Christ himself, who is the head of our marriages, who is the head of our homes. No one else. Never should be. So marriage, as the Bible tells us, was instituted by God himself, and he was the first officiating minister. Marriage is a beautiful gift from God. Ask those who are married, we'll tell you that, but but we are also mindful of the fact, the challenges of marriage, and I'm mindful of the fact of single uh, uh, moms and dads, single people uh, in our congregation as well, and those whose marriages have not really worked out the way they should have. And we are mindful of that this morning. We live in a fallen and a broken world. But overall, God's plan is that marriage is a gift from him. And because of our fall into sin, marriage is now a challenge. Because there are two individuals affected by sin, trying to live in harmony within marriage. And simple things like, can't you put the lid on the toothpaste after you use it? can become a big issue in someone's household, right? Just like vacuuming can be a problem, uh, can be a real problem, yes, right? In Christian marriage, both husband and wife know that they are redeemed sinners, right? And they can trust the Lord to bless and strengthen their marriage, can't we? We can trust the Lord to help us in our marriages. In the Bible, God speaks to both husbands and wives. And the text before us in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1-7 to uh, Peter sets out the stage, a very interesting passage uh, this morning, where he deals with wives, deals about beauty, and a word to husbands. So we have the passage that we're going to look at this morning, husbands, wives, uh, fashions, and beauty. All right, so be engaged, friends, so here we go. All right, a word to wives. I was talking to one of my colleagues this past week. Uh, I was preparing this, this Bible passage, but I got this call. Uh, from one of my colleagues, and he said, Chris, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking at this chapter, man. I'm really struggling with this, 1 Peter chapter 3. I've got good suggestions. He said, Chris, just put a shield around you when you speak on this topic, all right? And smile. So, well, you don't have a shield, but uh, we'll get through this text here. Wives, he says, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. 
Now, if it stops there, that is shocking. All right? It doesn't stop there. There's a purpose for that. We're going to unpack that this morning. Likewise, like, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. The, the uh, NIV translation doesn't give us that, but the original text brings that out. Uh, sometimes some of our translations are a bit weak. Uh, there is this word own that is there, subject to your own husbands. And how are we to interpret this passage? Are we to look at this passage uh, within the framework of the cultural custom of the time when Peter wrote this letter? In other words, is this relevant for our modern world today? I want to make it very clear that women are not inferior to men. All right? We need to make that very clear this morning. Both male and female are made in the image of God. We see that in the book of Genesis. It's reiterated for us in the principle that Paul speaks of in the book of Galatians. Equal in the sight of Christ. The Bible records for us the stories of many godly women. And Peter in our text speaks to wives specifically whose husbands are not believers. Notice the word words likewise. That's a connection to the past. Submission to authorities, submission in the workplace, the example that is the submission by Jesus. And Peter continues this theme of submission and he says, likewise. And with these words, he calls on a wife to be submissive to her husband. It is a, it is a call within that context of submission. And Peter is not giving us any specifics here. How a wife should submit to um, uh, her husband. I mean, that would have been quite easy, isn't it? Abina said, you know, these are the things that you should be submiss- submitting to. He doesn't tell us that. Right? <laughs> That's a challenge. How are we to look at this passage here this morning? Well, Peter says this. Peter is writing here to women who are married to non-Christian husbands. Notice the word own in, your, in, in the text, in your, to your own husbands. So the word to married women is that there is a uniquely fitting submission to your own husband that is not so with other men. Alright? You are not called to submit to all men the way you do to your own husband. Now the issue here is what does Peter mean by submission? At first glance it seems almost patronizing to women. It seems patronizing, doesn't it? Not perhaps the kind of politically correct thing to say. Is this some kind of male chauvinism that we see here? Does it mean that the wife is supposed to be a doormat? Does it mean that she is to be silent and subservient to her husband and dance according to his tunes? Moved, honey, and she moves. Do the shopping and she goes. Wash the car and she does it. Do the dishes and she does it like a robot. It doesn't work in practice, all right? (laughs) I had a friend in Sri Lanka, this old man. He always said to me, Chris, remember this, Chris. The husband is the head, but the wife is the neck that moves the head. So remember that. Anyway, let me come back to the text (laughs) here. Does it mean that she has to agree to everything uh, that her husband says and does? Does it mean that she has to endure continued abuse, physical or otherwise, at the hand, in the, um, at the hand of her husband? Certainly not. The husband must be considerate uh, to his wife. 
touch on that later. So the submission in this passage is within the framework of a Christian wife living with a non-Christian husband. And we know the challenges that presents to Christian wives this morning. How should she handle such a marriage? You see, in the Greek or Roman world, it was expected that the wife would worship the gods of her husband. It was expected. The society at the time would perceive that the wife's worship of Jesus as a Lord and Savior was a rebellion against her own husband. And so people would make fun of that husband if his wife did not worship his God. And when others got to know that the wife was not following her husband's God, this would be an embarrassment to the husband, especially if she worshipped Christ exclusively. And further, this would seriously damage the husband's social standing within the community. So it is within this framework that Peter writes uh, these words. And Peter's words to these wives is to be submissive to their own husbands. Hence, the submission here is one of a loving and voluntary submission in recognition to the creation pattern we see in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, the creation pattern. The woman is to submit in recognition of the role of the principle that God has set out. Now, some people might challenge that, but we see that in the scriptures. Okay. And I would think that this does not mean that the wife will, will have to, for example, talk about submission. What does it really actually look like? Does it mean that the wife will have to run, for example, run through the, the shopping list with her husband? For example, before she goes to the, the grocery shopping, she gets his permission to buy a particular brand of cereal. Darling, I'm going shopping. I want to run this shopping list by you. And I want to submit this list to you before I go shopping so that you give me the approval to buy wheat mix and whatever that is, right? Does it mean that kind of submission? It's the answer, isn't it? Or, for example, what brand of um, washing powder? Do you need this approval to go and buy a particular brand of, well, I don't even know which brand of, washing powder that's used in our home. I just look at the cereals and just eat what is there, right? That's not kind of the submission I don't think that we have here in this passage. I would think that in any marriage that the husband and wife will discuss issues of serious nature before any decisions are taken which may impact their lives or their family and circumstances. I would suspect that you will talk with each other. That is a wise thing to do. And husbands will do well to listen to their wives. Very foolish if we don't. But if it, is, if it is a major decision and there is no agreement, for example, on a certain matter, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Your wife is saying this and you've got to make a decision. You're going to toss a coin? I don't think so. You've got to make a decision. What do you do? You got to think, you got, you got to take it through, obviously. You got to pray. You got to bring it to the Lord. Yes, all of those things. But at the end of the day, the husband must make a decision. All right? And he must make that decision. And he must lead. And he must make a decision. And then he will need to live with the consequences of that decision as well. All right? He must lead. 
And I suspect, and I may be wrong this morning, that most women, I would think, in this congregation, anywhere else, will look for stable leadership from their husbands. I would suspect that that would be the case. That most women would say, man, I want you to lead so that I can trust your judgment. Right? I would think so. I, would, I may be wrong. But Peter is not writing to put wives in their place, uh, to put them in their place or, or to, to make them look bad. Submission here has a greater purpose. And we see that in uh, the passage. Uh, husbands, um, in, in, in chapter 3, 1b and 2, if, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. You see, the husbands who do not believe, these guys don't obey Christ, they don't obey the word, they don't know Jesus Christ, and as the Christian wife continues to submit to her own husband, she may be the instrument that God uses to win an unbelieving husband to Christ. Is that not your prayer to those who are married to non-Christians here this morning? To see your husband or your wife come to know Christ? How is this going to take place without a word and by their behavior and conduct of the lifestyle of the wife? This gracious and submissive attitude is the most effective evangelistic tool for the Christian wife. And Peter says when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, they will think about these things. And Peter says that such a husband may be drawn to Christ because he will observe your purity of life and respect your behavior. The word observer implies, my dear friends, a careful observation. It's not a casual glance. That's not the, the, the text here. That's not the word. The unbelieving husband will see a consistent, godly character that exhibits pure and respectable conduct. And he will sit there and say, man, my wife, isn't she beautiful? I mean, look at her lifestyle. What a lifestyle that she is living. She is not the nagging woman all the time, but she's, she's exercising something so nice. I'm, I want to find out what's going on here. Alright? So, that's what Peter is saying. In his wonderful work, The Confessions of St. Augustine, there is a moving, a moving tribute that Augustine gave his mother, Monica, who had an incredible influence in bringing her unbelieving husband, Patricius, or Patrick, uh, to faith in Jesus. And this is what we see here. She served her husband as a master and did all she could to win him for you, speaking to him of you by her conduct, by which you made her beautiful. Finally, when her husband was at the end of his earthly span, she gained him for you. That's the way Augustine viewed his, uh, his mother. Augustine's mother, Monica, endured a hard and tough marriage, but she lived out her faith, and God did a work of grace in her husband's life through her husband's witness. And so, Christian wives this morning, would long for your husbands to know Christ. I want to encourage the wives here this morning, whose husbands are not Christians as yet, to keep praying for them and living out your life as a witness for Jesus. And to us as a church, what are we doing to reach out to these guys? What are we doing?
We need to think creatively, don't we? We need to think. Someone said to me this last week, uh, John, I mean, perhaps we need to get a butcher here. Bring a beast here and get the guys together and get the men together, all guys, non-Christian guys, everyone, and start cutting up this animal and just having fun there, right? Having a, a roast after that. Or maybe bring an old car. Got an old car, bring it in a car park and just pull it apart as guys. How are we going to attract guys, non-Christian guys, to church? Barbecues are fantastic. I had a fan, I was, I was next to Rex yesterday. I had a fantastic time there. Well, I did a superb job on, we ran out of, I mean, I missed out on a pork sandwich myself. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> The point is that what are we going to do, friends? You know, we need to think, right? We need to pray. We need to support those who have non-Christian wives. I know that that uh, that people have them um, non-Christian wives as well. So let's let's pray for them and see how we can. And then Peter moves on to uh, some other aspects here. He talks about outward adornment, about beauty. Verses three and forward. If you have your Bibles, look at the passage. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair. And the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self and unfading beauty. Now, this is about fashion, right? Fashion. The Greek word translated adornment here is the word cosmos. And from this word cosmos, we get the word cosmetics, right? Cosmetics. And Peter speaks of three outward adornments or cosmetics. Hairstyles, I, no, I shouldn't be only my head, Tom. right about hairstyles, right? Jewelry, uh, and clothing. Now at the time of this letter, the women were dressed very much over the top. It was a flamboyant dressing with elaborate style. The culture at the time had many women wearing the latest fashion, but the problem was that they wore them with the wrong attitude. They put more emphasis on the external than on the internal. They did not display modesty in their appearance. And therefore, Peter addresses this matter. Think for a moment with me about fashion. You see, the fashion industry is huge in Australia and around the world. You go to other countries, generally speaking, won't you hang out in a shopping center? Ladies, come on, help me out. Yes? You do. No. Okay. Right? You would go out there, right? You'd be going shopping. You go to Singapore, for example, you go all day, you'd be just shopping there. Or you go to DJs or... Myers, wherever, right? The fashion industry, or DFO, that's, that's a good place. Right? Uh, the fashion industry is huge, and there are mega shops. In fact, uh, just this last week, look at that. Meyer Autumn Winter 2013 launch at the Mural Hall in Melbourne. Uh, the latest is, I'll use the phrase here, sexy clothes for autumn. Now, I didn't, I must say this, I didn't look at all the gallery photos there, but I just picked this up, and this is new latest styles, okay? For women, and there are guys as well, modeling up and down places. Now think about some of the designer brands on the market, Alana Hill, Chanel, Review, Lancome Makeup, the designer shoes, Luciano Padova, Vincent Smith, Tony Bianco, Zensu. Look at these shoes, man. I'm looking at them and thinking, for us guys... Just have only one pair. The plain old pairs. Look at the, look at the, that's just the only a part of it. 
I mean, women have got so many different shoes. What a world, eh? Anyway, Peter does not say that a woman, let me say this, Peter does not say that a woman should not wear jewelry, beautiful clothes, or have lovely assets. He does not say that. There is no prohibition whatsoever with wearing of beautiful clothes or jewelry or makeup. There is no prohibition. That's legalism. Peter is not saying that women should look sloppy and unkept. Nor is he saying that if women wear beautiful jewelry, had lovely hairstyles, and wear beautiful clothes, that they were worldly. It's not saying that at all. But the Bible does speak of modesty in the way women dress. And that's something that you've got to work out yourself. I recall a situation, this is serious, when I had a conversation with a Christian guy who was an executive of a leading company. And he had a coffee with me and he shared his concern with me. This is what he said. He said, you know, Chris, I, uh, it's a challenge for me in the workplace. I have these women who are so beautifully dressed. And they're passing by my office all the time. And I'm sitting there. Uh, and he said to me, at work, these, these women would dress and they look absolutely stunning. I said, oh, yeah, that's good. What's the problem, man? And then he said this, after a while... He said, I began to compare them with my wife. Oh, okay. Rightly or wrongly. Who was actually exactly the opposite of these women. She did not really care about how her outward appearance was. She didn't look nice for me. She had no inclination to dress well, to present well to me as a husband. So that I can look at her and say, wow, you look stunning, dear. You're a beautiful woman, both on the inside and the outside. I mean, guys are driven by visuals, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's a fact, right? You stop at traffic lights, and the guys in trucks, cars, they see a woman going past. It just, right? Why well, guys are driven by that? And, and, and Peter's not saying wives don't look so unkept that you don't look so attractive to your husband. I must be careful here. It's not legalism. I think what it takes is, I think we need to look well for each other and, and a wife to, to look well for her husband so that he says, wow, you're beautiful, darling. That dress looks absolutely stunning or that dress does not suit you. Change it. Now, I'm sure none of us guys have done that to our wives. Sure. Right. See, present well. Uh, Peter is not saying this. It's, it, it, it's, uh, Peter is, is saying, yes, uh, it's about the outside dress as well, but he moves to an internal issue now. It's more from the external to the internal. And we're going to look at that. Peter moves from the cosmos to the cardia, which is the heart, from cosmetics to the heart, between the external and the internal. One writer puts it this way. It may take a few hours to prepare for an elegant evening, but it takes a lifetime to build an elegant character. Right? Takes a few hours to look nice, but takes a lifetime to build an elegant character. It's not about the clothes itself. We don't need to have all the mega fashion clothes. If you want to wear it, that's fine. Sometimes there's good bargains at the op shop as well. I remember when I came to Australia, I went and bought a few suits. All my suits that I wore when I was preaching were from the op shop. Five bucks, man, that's pretty cheap. It's not about that. It's about presenting well, isn't it? Right? 
And Peter is saying this, um, this beauty is something that comes from within. And Peter speaks of an incorruptible beauty that inner self in the hidden person of the heart and the focus is on inner attitudes. This incorruptible beauty is displayed in a gentle and quiet spirit. And this does not mean that the wife cannot give an opinion or is only to be seen and not heard. That is not what he is saying here. It's a gentle spirit that is reflective of, of God's grace to her and it is seen in her response. She displays a gentle and quiet spirit that shows the beauty of Christ shining in her life. Here's a word to mums this morning with young, growing up daughters. I'm sure mums and girls go out shopping, right? You enjoy that as your girls become teenagers, those of your little kids. It'll happen, right? And you'll take them out shopping and you'll have a muffin or a cake and have a bit of a talk and you go and look around. I'm sure you'll do that. Here's a bit of advice for you as well. You see, while you may spend much time with your daughter shopping and looking for clothes and the like, let me encourage you as a Christian mother to sit with your daughters and talk to them about their inner character. To mold them and to shape them to be godly women. Right? Isn't that the desire of every Christian mother here this morning? To see our children, our daughters be godly women so that they'll be great uh, wives to whoever the guy who marries them. He'll be like top of the world. I've got the best in the world. I've got a beautiful girl here. That's what we do, isn't it? And a word to dads as well, fathers. It's not in a text, but I'm sure you talk to your, your sons. Like I said to, to my son, you know, always need to know what it means to treat a girl with dignity and love and respect. Very important things in life. You see, uh, Peter says this, for this is the way holy women of the past, and I want to keep moving on, uh, put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him your master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Peter calls his readers to consider the examples of submission in the past. Holy women, Abraham, the Bible talks about, uh, sorry, of, uh, of Sarah, of Ruth, of Esther, of Mary, great examples. And friends, I ask you to look around in this congregation for role models. We are blessed here at St. Stephen's with many older members, aren't we? Some who are 95 years old. 95. In my, my growth group, the oldest member, 95 years old. Talk to these women. Young girls, I want to encourage you to talk to these godly women and learn from them. Learn from them. They've got knowledge to part, to give you advice, to mentor you. What a blessing for us at St. Stephen's. We have older women, older men, Christian, godly people here. And we will do well, my dear friends, to sit and talk to them as well. Here are some questions to Christian wives to ponder. Do I pray for my husband? Do I have time for my husband? Do I make my husband's life easier? Or do I make it tough for him? Do I listen to him? Do I actually care? for him. Do I actually say, darling, uh, I just love you. You're a great guy. You're a great guy. Yeah. I mean, Rose has got to cope with me. I, when I met her, I had lots of hair. After 25 years of marriage, I've gone bald, but she still loves me. You see, it's love relationship, isn't it? 
that happens. Another word to husbands, because a lot of women said to me, Chris, you're not getting off that pulpit without talking to our husbands this morning. Here it is, right? We have this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner that hears with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Here's a word to husbands, to us guys. Wives in the same way and you husbands in the same way. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Husbands are to live with their wives by building a close relationship with them. The term living has sexual overtones to it. It is knowing your wife. Living in an intimate way. Weaker, this does not mean that women are intellectually weaker than men or any shape or form. It could have a reference, nor are they inferior in character to men. The understanding of most, most commentators is that women generally possess less physical strength than men. Right? And so, so Peter says to husbands, be considerate the way you live with your wives. And the Apostle Paul talks about this. Husbands, love your wives as... Come on, guys. We'll have the guys who are husbands here read the text. Husbands, love your wives. Okay. Easy to do it, friends? Is that easy? Come on, guys. No. <laughs> right? How has Christ loved the church? With all his imperfections, with all its flaws. And Christ loved the church that he gave his life at the cross for us. He sacrificed his life. And I'm sure as us guys, my dear friends, we need to be men who will be willing to love our wives and sacrifice our lives for them if we have to. That if somebody's got a gun in front of your wife, that you will take the first bullet to save your wife. Because you love them. Because our wives, those who are married, are precious to us. God's precious gift, the gift of grace. You ask every man here who's married, I mean, I won't be the kind of guy that I am with the influence of Rose. I'm sure you would say the same thing about your wives, right? They're the ones who kind of tell us exactly what they think. Right? For preachers, they'll tell us, wives will tell us, oh, man, that sermon was, yeah, could have been a bit better this way or that way. Uh, biggest critiques as well and greater support. Our wives are fantastic gifts from God. We look after them, love them, cherish them, uh, take them out, enjoy them. Uh, this is intimacy at its highest level. Uh, husbands, honor your wives. How? Honor her verbally, speak honorably to her and be gentle to her. Be kind, honor her practically, consider the needs she may have. And see how you can serve her. I mean, I'm not a perfect husband. Please don't get me wrong here. I fall short many times. Many times. So I'm not trying to preach to you guys. I'm a fellow struggler with you, okay? On the same journey. There are times that I feel terrible the way I may have said something wrong. Or, or what I may have done, right? It's shocking. So we need to be open and transparent. Verbally, practically, consider the needs she may have and see how you can serve her. Take the vacuum cleaner and do the vacuuming. I mean, like that guy who sits on the couch there and says, Wow, beautiful, darling, you did a great job there. Some dirt actually under this carpet. Haven't you seen it? Take it and do it yourself, isn't it? Say, Honey, you just sit down. Let me do the vacuuming. Let me do the dishes. You see the dishes on 
in the, in the kitchen piling up. Wow, haven't you done the dishes, darling? What, what have you been doing the whole day? Have you been shopping? Would you say that to your wife? Or would you say, let me do the dishes. I'll fix the dishes. Something practical. Right? Honor her. Honor her spiritually. Lead her in prayer and in spiritual growth. Be the leader in the home. Now, have you seen this? Come on. Everyone loves Raymond? How many of you have seen it? Huh? A few have seen it. I mean, I love, I, like, I like the show, right? After a while, I got sick of it. I said, no, I'm going to watch this thing because it annoys me. You know why? You know why? Because that guy, Raymond, behaves as the dumbest guy. He is a disgrace to husbands because he does exactly the opposite thing that his wife would want him to do. And he behaves so crazy that I man, is that the portrayal of a husband? Oh, do you watch the other one? I think it's, the pronunciation is this. Mrs. Bouquet. Right? The English comedy. Come on. You know that. And you see the poor hubby. He's running behind her. Mrs. Bouquet is, she's that. Right? And the husband is like, ah. friends, men, I think sometimes, guys, what has happened to the men? What happened to men? Where are the men? It's a serious question. See, we are living in a, in a, in a generation that's saying it's, neutra- it's, it's neutra- neutrality now about gender. Gender neutrality. That's the latest word. Uh, men. We want men who are godly husbands. Men who will display gentle, godly spirit. Men who are willing to lead. That is verbal intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, social intimacy, spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy. And then Peter says, men, be careful. The warning seems very clear here. That if you don't look after your wife and care for her, what does the text tell us? It's quite scary actually. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner right, of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your, your prayers. Can you see that? So as I conclude this morning, friends, there is a word for all of us here. I want to say a word to those who are looking to get married in the future. Right? The Bible passages are very clear to singles. You marry only those who are in the Lord. Don't make a mistake. Yeah. It's a biblical thing. 1 Corinthians 7.28 Don't be unequally yoked. Do you want your marriage where you marry someone who does not know and love Christ? Is this the kind of marriage that you want? A marriage that strangles your growth in Christ or strangles your growth as a couple or does both? Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and God is speaking to you. Then I encourage you to come to Christ. To us, married people, We know that Christ is our Savior and He's forgiven us all our sins. I pray that we will continue to live and build our lives on Christ. To those who are single, pray that God will provide you. If you're a Christian single person here this morning, pray that God will provide you the right person. And to older women and to older men, to grandfathers and grandmothers here this morning who are Christians, I trust that you'll be praying for your children and for your grandchildren and that you will talk to them about the inner qualities of virtues, of respect and love and honor of 
Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father,